Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap. That's Creole for something extra. It's really nice up here. Thanks. And you guys speak English so well. Yeah, we learned a long time ago when we started land negotiations with white people. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, it was cool. They let us keep our birth land, so we were pretty stoked. <laughs> That was a clip from the Speakeasy stage production of Men on Boats, a comedic take on the real-life 1869 story of an expedition led by John Wesley Powell. The play got a lot of attention for its inventive casting, its contemporary language, and pointed commentary when it first premiered, and it has received critical acclaim from the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune. The play is on stage now at the Calderwood Pavilion at the Boston Center for the Arts. Joining me to talk about the play... Don Simmons, director of the Speakeasy stage production of Men on Boats. Welcome, Don. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to have you. Glad to be here. Jacqueline Backus, playwright of Men on Boats. She joins us from the National Public Radio Studios in New York City. Hello, Jacqueline. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm great. And also <laughs> Alicia Anstead, Associate Director for Programming at the Office for the Arts at Harvard University and the Editor-in-Chief and Co-Founder of the student-driven Harvard Arts blog. And with this appearance, I'm delighted to say, Alicia reprises her role as Under the Radar's arts contributor. Welcome back, Alicia. I'm so happy to be here, Callie. Thank you. And I'm glad to have all of you for this great conversation. So let's just put it out front. I saw it. I loved it. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yes. <laughs> I loved it. So, you know, that's where I'm coming from. I like to let my listeners know where I'm coming from. What a wonderful take, Jacqueline. And let's start with how it all came to be in your head, uh, This <laughs> your take on John Wesley Powell's expedition of the Colorado and Green Rivers in 1869. Yeah, I, uh, I started working on this play in uh, 2013. And I was hungry to write something with a large physical vocabulary, something that felt, you know, very adventurous and exciting in a way that I hadn't really seen before. So I I was doing some research on various historical adventure accounts. And John Wesley Powell is someone I'm familiar with from growing up in Phoenix, Arizona. We learned about him in school. And my dad, who is a scientist, wannabe explorer, uh, you know, he had a copy of his journals. And so he sent them to me and I read them. And it's a really, you know, fascinating firsthand account of a mission to sort of map the unmapped uh, last little quadrant of the United States down in the Southwest. So it just sort of lent itself to an adaptation, I felt, because of how rich the characters were and how much that river sort of, you know, resonated with me as a child. So it was a really fun journey back to my roots in a way. That initial development process was all about giving these this sort of ragtag ensemble a place to go on the stage in a way I hadn't seen plays done before. So somebody just hearing the title of the play, Men on Boats, would assume, and you just described the expedition, this is a man's man's tale, but yet <laughs> it's not. So we talked about inventive casting, Don Simmons. Mm -hmm. Talk about what happens in this play that sets it apart from the way it might be told traditionally. I think when you look at the makeup of the cast, you're seeing everybody but straight white men. 
on that stage. Mm-hmm. And then the physical vocabulary of the show and what we're asking these actors to do is also something that, I mean, you see it on stages, but I think in this way, there's so much going on, especially with the way that we've realized the boats. So the way that they interact with each other, with the boats, the way that physical vocabulary carries into everything that they do. They're athletes. They've become actor athletes. And I know some of them had that in them already, but they've taken it to a new level. I think it's part of the magic of the show that the script allows them to do that and allows them to have a sense of humor in that. And they've just sort of exploded it, which is really fun. So you have multi-gendered casting, just to be clear. So we have some women playing men, Mm -hmm. and then we have some gender non-conforming persons playing men. Mm -hmm. And then we actually, I think there is a guy, actual guy. There is a trans trans guy, yes, um, in the play. Also in the play. Yes. That's correct. So that gives it a whole other feel. Now, Mm -hmm. Jacqueline, back to you before I get to Alicia. When you realize this is the way you wanted to go to tell this story, What sparked that? How did you see it in that way? Well, it wasn't until I was about a little more than halfway through writing that first draft. I initially was writing what I thought was a very true-to-form adaptation. And then somewhere along the way, as I was nearing the end of the of the first draft, I started to wonder why I myself as a writer was interested in telling this story and what was so thrilling about it for me to sit down and write. It was just, it was a joy to write as I was writing. It was like, it was truly, it felt, I was like riding the waves with these characters. And, and I realized that it had something to do with the fact that a person like me would never get a chance to play a role like this. And that resonated with me in a way that led me then to wonder if that was actually an absolute and what happens if I just sort of (laughs) ignore that seeming reality of the way that we cast our plays and our entertainment. And I sort of put it out there as a hypothesis. Well, what if the play looked different than I would initially expect it to? And what would happen if the kinds of people who played these parts were people that standardly do not get these kinds of roles and do not get to play this kind of character? We had a, a lot of workshops in New York with the director here and with several different casts who I basically brought them in to ask that question alongside me. And through a lot of like conversations and that sort of initial work breaking down the text, I was able to sort of filter this thread in and make it a cornerstone truth of this play. And now looking at the various productions that have been done, I actually think it's a more dynamic play uh, with this casting in mind. I think that that actually enriches the play and I think that it deepens the message about the themes of manifest destiny and who has benefited from it and who is sort of taking on this idea of conquest and what baggage and gravity that holds. So I'm going to put that on hold for just one moment because um, (laughs) I want to get to that in a more rich way in just a second and remind my Mm -hmm. listeners that I'm speaking with Jacqueline Backhouse, that's you, the playwright for Men on Boats, and before that, Don Simmons, the director, and now Alicia Anstead, I'm going to ask to join in the conversation because... Of course, the play gets a lot of attention because of the inventive casting. And I think it's important to note that around the world and throughout history, we've seen men play women, often Shakespeare, Japanese kabuki theater, even Harvard's Hasty Pudding. So this is a different thing. You don't often see women and or gender nonconforming people playing men. I wonder if you'd speak to that first before we move on. 
Sure. And I, I want to actually take that right back to what Jacqueline said, which is that what if question. And I think that that's what's most powerful for me about watching this extraordinarily entertaining performance on the part of everyone in this cast. It made me ask the question, what if women had been given this opportunity? Not even what does this mean for history as it is depicted in the play itself, but what if women had been the first ones to go down that river? What if even half of the expedition had been women? And it set off a chain of responses in me, not so much about can we rewrite history, but what does history mean? And what does it mean to be a woman right now? Or what does it mean to be any of these fluid genders right now. And I think that resonance is more important to me than trying to figure out what this play means for history and even what it means for the casting. I think what's important from my point of view is that this cast, you talk about the physicality of it. Mm -hmm. I started to think, why didn't this cast go down the river? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it made me feel about my own time, what is it that we're told we cannot do? What is it that is not state-sanctioned about our lives that we actually can do and should do? That's my guest, Alicia Anstead. She's uh, Under the Radar's arts contributor and Harvard University's Associate Director for Programming at the Office for the Arts. Let's hear a clip from the play. I don't want anybody coming away with thinking, this is kind of heavy, and uh, <laughs> but it's so fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we've mentioned many times the physicality of it. So let's hear a bit of that physicality and I think the funness. This is when the men, quote unquote, are going uh, down <laughs> over a uh, drop-off and it's quite captivating if you are in the audience. So these are the men trying to stay in the boats as they face a waterfall. Keep your head up. Eyes ahead. We're going over. Head up. Keep your eyes ahead. Over. Forward. Forward. Here it comes. We're going over. Hold on just a I want to point out to people that, Don, um, what they're looking at is very spare on the stage. So you have activated all of our imaginations, and we are all in it, Mm -hmm. the audience, because the boat, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, Mm -hmm. is like two little slats and the and the men, quote unquote, mm-hmm. are inside these are little inside. Slats. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um yeah, double waterfall scene, which is the greatest because everybody gets to ham it up, big faces, big movement, like just go bold. Because they have to sell it all through physicality. Cause like you said, the set is so spare. They have these boats and they have themselves, which is really great because they use each other. They use each other a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's one of the most fun scenes. And as you go through, right, each waterfall happens and you see each group just pick their own relationship <laughs> to death. Which is great. <laughs> I mean, great. I know that sounds bad, but it's really great in the play. Right. <laughs> it's, no, and it's, it's very right. funny. And it's really funny. And it's really funny. <laughs> but the message overall is what Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, very well-known uh, novelist, has said very poignantly and directly in the danger of a single story. So we have here a situation of looking at whose history is it, as Alicia has brought out, and who gets to tell that history. And this play really, Jacqueline says this over and over, in the most fun ways you hear the cast uh, struggling with it. I want to give people one more clip, and this is about the unwritten rules of claiming (laughs) and reframing history. Here we go. The unwritten rules for getting something named after you are. Number one, you are the sole discoverer 
of the thing. Number two, you accomplished something directly in relation to the thing. Number three, no one objects and everyone agrees. Can you prove those points? Yup. Number one. I remarked on the strange colors and jagged edges of that mountain before either of you. Wait, no, that was me. What did you say, Sumner? I said, would you look at that? <laughs> That's really, it makes such a point because we know this is how so much history has been told because it depends on who's telling it. Mm-hmm. So, Alicia, weigh in on what this play does to get people thinking about whose history is it. Well, first of all, I think Jacqueline is telling history and telling it slant. And I love that that's happening, not just about gender, but, you know, in the case of this particular production, a great deal of diversity on stage, which is in some ways rarer, Callie, than the mixing up male-female roles on live stage. That's something that I think we should also acknowledge. But the vernacular of this play bumps us close to our own experience. Mm -hmm. So you can know the history of John Wesley Powell and his expedition. So you're not waiting to find out what's happening at the end of this play. Although I knew the history and I was, you know, I was like, they're going down the waterfall. Are they going to make it? You know, are they going to get through the canyon? I was actually asking those questions and I knew my history, you know, so it, it asked you to stop for a moment and revision something but I'm not sure it's the history we're revisioning. I think it may be our own times, our own assumptions, mm-hmm. and what theater does to challenge those. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm here with Alicia Anstead, Don Simmons, and Jacqueline Backus. Jacqueline, I'll pick up on Alicia's point. You know, it's interesting because there is an amount of universality, I feel, that being able to watch these people on this mission, while this mission is very, very specific, um, watching this pantheon of peoples partaking in something like this, it sort of also sparks in the mind, I would say, something along the lines of there's the history that we're told um, and the history that they are telling, you know, while it is slant, it's pretty direct to what is recorded. The other side of that, it, it immediately brings up the history that we have lost and the, the histories of people like this who go untold and who lived alongside these people in this time period. And while this show does tell the story of a white cisgender male conquest narrative, I do think that it does also then ask the question of what histories are we missing and how are we going to access them? How can we bring more of those stories on stage as well? The characters use contemporary language, which really draws people in, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But Don, you're you're faced with the challenge of having a cast that is not men, quote unquote, mm-hmm. play men. And I wonder if your direction was just play it however you want, or do, <laughs> did you tell people to affect what they thought men's stances would be and poses and postures. So after um, I had a conversation with the cast and had a conversation with Jacqueline that the beauty of what we have on stage was that what I wanted were for the actors to play the truth of their bodies and their gender expression to use that. If we have this opportunity to sort of whet the appetite for the audience, for other people and other stories, then play the truth of your body. And uh, Jacqueline's advice was inhabit the role of explorer more than inhabit the role of 
male explorer. And once we freed up with that, movement became so much easier, right? Connecting text to action became so much easier. And it was an opportunity for us to celebrate the truth of ourselves, which was really freeing and allowed us to play and have a little more fun. I think the cast is amazing. And I found myself as a member of the audience, and maybe just me, fighting against my stereotypes in my mind Mm -hmm. of what I think how a man would react. Mm -hmm. I thought Kabia, who plays John Wesley Powell, Mm -hmm. was so powerful (laughs) in the way Mm -hmm. that they portrayed the character that I was startled. And I thought, oh, well, that's just like a man. And I checked myself thinking, where am I going with Mm -hmm. this? That's our good friend, Alice. And Alice just, again, came with the truth of themselves and the way that they move in the world. And everything worked. Everything just sort of lined up. And there were places where, you know, again, we sort of struggled. And my thought to everybody was, if your energy is, for whatever these things mean, more masculine, more feminine, more androgynous, um, and please forgive me, I am, I struggle with the language because I am learning. We're all learning. But what is that and go from there. And coming from that place of strength, you know, we often associate, well, masculine means strength. What does that strength mean? Athleticism is, and what does it look like? And different people show that in different ways. But there is that power and that immediate presence. You know, when Alice stands up, they stand up. (laughs) Like you cannot ignore Alice. And we're talking Uh, about the same person. We're talking about the same person. Alice Kavia. Yes. So I I just called her (laughs) Kavia. Weigh in, Alicia. There's an exchange in the play that speaks for me to this very thing we're talking about. There are two brothers on the trip, and one of them says, one time when we were little, our parents tied our hands to the fence post at nightfall and said, and the next one answers, if you can untie these knots and free yourselves, then you'll survive anything. And I always have to go back to the language because that's where I live. And the language in this play recapitulates so much of trying to navigate uncharted waters or Mm -hmm. difficult waters, rock, 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 left, right, left, right, watch out, watch out, we're going over, ah, you know, the whole negotiation of that interested me so much. And when I saw the text on the page, Mm -hmm. I realized that we were in a rhythmic territory. And later, Jacqueline told me that she knew the river would never be on stage. I mean, there's not going to be a river mm, on stage. Yes, of course, yeah. So mm, yeah. how do you make the river mm-hmm. show up? And I, and if you would add to that, because what I'm curious about mm-hmm. is people's takeaway from those presentations, as I mentioned, I had my very visceral, stereotypical response. Curious to know what other people have said to you after they've seen the play, Jacqueline. Yeah, there's something to the way this play lives on the page. On the page, I pose it basically as a sort of blueprint for directors and designers and collaborators, casts, to build on top of it. And I view theater as a whole, you know, as I really embrace the natural suspension of disbelief, which is present in any play you walk into, whether it's a play in a living room with a working sink or a play set on a river. You are always walking in to experience something with audience members, and you are walking into something that you are going to be asked to fill in spaces with your own imagination. So in the instance of this play, that works on several levels. I mean, with the casting with the contemporary language is another form of that. And then the physical acts of survival and of running rapids and all of these physical feats that are dealt with in different ways and dealt with lyrically on the page. You know, they're all sort of propositions, essentially, of different ways in which you can put a hand out to the audience and say, come on this journey with us. 
And the responses from audience members as you have come to know them? Yeah, people really go on the ride. In fact, a lot of people that I have talked to who initially, you know, they go in and the play sort of, there's a moment of presentation or introduction to each of these characters. And people have told me after that after a while they forgot, you know, any of the constructs of the encouragement of the casting or the very clear <laughs> lack of actual water. <laughs> but they felt like they were right there on the journey with everybody on stage. And that is a testament, I think, to, you know, how theater can operate and how people can experience these kinds of works, you know, that they can get lost in the action in the same way that people can get lost in a giant canyon. <laughs> I get it. Well, I thank you all for speaking with me today because Men on Boats is something else. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Don Simmons is the director of the Speakeasy stage production of Men on Boats. Jacqueline Backus is the playwright on Men on Boats. And Alicia Anstead is the associate director for programming at the Office for the Arts at Harvard University, editor-in-chief and co-founder of the student-driven Harvard Arts blog, and also Under the Radar's arts contributor. Men on Boats will be at the Calderwood Pavilion through October 7th. Details at Speakeasy stage.com. We'll also have information about the show on our website, news.wgbh.org slash UTR. That's it for this edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find our show, links to stories we discussed today, and bonus content on the web at news.wgbh.org slash UTR. Listen to our show on the WGBH app and take UTR with you. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please write to us at undertheradar at wgbh.org. Our engineer is Doug Sugarts. Andrea Aswahi is our producer. Under the Radar is a production of WGBH. <laughs>